Welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast. We are Eric and Sarah. Welcome back. Welcome to our final episode of the year 2020. I feel like we have learned so much this year, despite all of the challenges, or maybe because of all the challenges. And we wanted to do an episode kind of highlighting our top lessons from the past year. Yeah, uh, 2020 has been nothing if not harrowing. Harrowing. And <laughs> we laugh when we use the word harrowing because we it's become sort of an inside joke in our relationship. We use it to describe uh, most things. <laughs> Everything even mildly difficult. So maybe Sarah... Uh, walked up the stairs too quickly and was out of breath and she said man the journey from the kitchen was harrowing (laughs) so it's funny to use it but uh it really is accurate an accurate description of this year right so before we get into it because i do want to get into the main topic fairly quickly because i think it could be a long one i want to do a positivity box really quickly just to get that out of the way and set like a a positive stage for the Mm. conversation to come you go first i'm putting you on the spot I had some, I was thinking, or, oh, I know what my positivity box is. Hmm. Obviously, you know, you know what I'm going to say? What? You know what it is. Your, your video you just made this week? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I do, I did just make a video that I'm very proud of on my YouTube channel, but. That can come up as a topic in this, in this conversation. It definitely will. So we'll get there. But my positivity box this week is Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. I realized I had been paying for Audible. Mm. um for months and months and months and i had a bunch of book credits and how I, many do you have i think i used them all oh. i think i had four i think i had four months worth okay um so i downloaded which i now realize is a mistake because of how much i love this book but i downloaded three like non-fiction informational books about like music or the music industry and whatever and like yes i care about that but what sarah's been pushing me to read fiction mm-hmm. she's like you, you you don't like reading because you keep trying to read non-fiction you clearly don't enjoy it why don't you read something like fantasy so i was like okay so i i've heard about the book and movie ready player one and that was one of the ones I purchased, and I downloaded it and started listening to it. And man, I am obsessed. Mm-hmm. It is right up my alley. The concept is like mildly existential and futuristic, and has to do with virtual reality video games and a hunt for treasure. Oh my, it's it's uh, it's, it's perfect for me. It has been very cute to watch him uh, enjoy the book so much too. Because we'll be going to the park and he's like so excited to go on his jog because he gets to listen to his book. For like 45 minutes straight. Right. And then at night before we go to bed, I'm like, baby, can I, can I listen to my book a little before we go to I'm bed? like, please. Sarah's like, sure. And then like we lay in bed, I'm listening in my headphones and I'm just like spooning Sarah while she does whatever. And it's just, it's, it's so pleasant. Yeah. It's nice. And you probably sleep better as a result. I really, I've been passing out after. Yep. I mean, because I've been closing my eyes while while Mm -hmm. I listen. And one, I I start to realize that I'm not sure what is coming from the book and what's coming from my brain. Like I start (laughs) seeing things and I'm like, is the book, is the book putting thoughts in my head or am I dreaming? And then I'm like, okay, let me rewind like four minutes and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tomorrow I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. 
It is interesting because I have insomnia and I quite often will listen to podcasts or audiobooks to try to fall asleep. And when I get to that point where like weird things start happening in my head, I'm like, ah, yes, this is how I know I'm on the brink of slumber. (laughs) On the brink of slumber. (laughs) Yes. I'm on the brink of slumber. Nice. Um, Okay. Okay, So what's your positivity box? Uh, hamburger buns, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this this also is going to be something that comes up in this conversation, but I have been really um, moving towards reducing the amount of waste I produce uh, in a plastic sense, in a packaging sense, not in like a human waste sense. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't even consider that poop. that was on the table. <laughs> yeah, you still poop right, the um, normal amount. Yeah, I haven't evolved past that function yet, but I'll, yeah. I'll let you know when I do. Yeah. <laughs> So I've been trying to buy... Episode 734, (laughs) I have ceased all pooping. (laughs) I have ascended beyond the need for excretion. Um, Right, so I have been trying to buy fewer things in plastic, basically. Just live more sustainably. So, and I have the luxury, I guess, that I cook for a living. So anytime I make something from scratch, it's kind of like content, or it's at least a learning process for me so i understand not everyone like has the privilege to do this but it's something i've been doing is making a lot of things from scratch instead of buying them in you know plastic or whatever were you gonna say something i was just gonna say even if it's not like directly content right like you didn't film the buns you made but now you you can if you want to now i'm a bun genius because you know how (laughs) to make them deliciously right anyway yeah so yesterday we wanted some burgers we needed some comfort food because i had a harrowing week <laughs> and um i was like babe i really just want a whopper uh impossible whopper but i was like we should be good and, and make them from you know at home so i i made some homemade hamburger buns and they were so good last time i attempted to make hamburger buns i think was in college and they were dry and crusty and it's funny because <laughs> several people like dm'd me in response to a story i posted about about the buns and they were like oh, every time i try to do it they're dry and crusty. And I'm like, oh, so it's a thing. It's not me. What is, <laughs> what did you do differently? Um, I just think it's like, it was like an enriched dough. It had some fat in it. I used some flaxseed meal in place of eggs. So they were like nice and squishy and a little buttery. And it was so good. I just, I get so much satisfaction from making stuff from scratch and it being like, it's better for you. It has lots of love in it. And yeah it's a multifaceted positivity box mm-hmm. right because surface level the buns you made were very tasty <laughs> but beyond that it goes deeper into like just like you said making from scratch mm-hmm. and uh creating your own food and yeah. and and like a simple thing like a hamburger bun really like, hey, you just go buy hamburger buns are like three dollars mm-hmm. but like every time we've wanted burgers in our relationship mm-hmm. we go to the store we get lettuce onion tomato we get all the things and they get used up and then we buy the buns that come in a six pack eight pack yeah or eight pack yeah and we each have one burger and then we put them in the freezer and then they get sent to the bottom of the freezer and the next time we're like oh wait we have buns down here and then they're freezer burned and then we go buy more mm-hmm. and we're like this cycle has to stop because we're wasting plastic and food yeah so that's that's the deeper meaning of the buns. Yep, yep. 
but I was just very pleased that I conquered something that I had previously failed at, and I just love becoming more and more self-sufficient. Yep, yep. Those are the best burgers we've ever made. Mm -hmm. So, so good. Yes. Okay. Shall we dive in, or should we do our... Supporter... Wait, I'm not supposed to sing it. (laughs) I'm supposed to play it. Yes, it's time for our... Supporter shout-out. All right, do you want to explain what what this is? Uh, every episode, we like to do a little shout-out for all of the people who offer a monthly donation to support our podcast. Yeah, so shout-out to Inga Pfeiffer, Morgan Lassiter, Jennifer, Kevin Dooley, Jessica, Jessica Chelgren. Wow, I'm wearing <laughs> my glasses and I still can't read. Nina Schmidt, Izzy, Karen B.W., Alexis Dooley, Teresa Madara, Quinn, Anna Jureka, Megan Stewart, Samantha McIntyre, Dylan Schaubin, and Sarah Creighton. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for supporting our podcast. Um, as we close out a, a rough year. Mm-hmm. When I say stuff like that, I just feel like all the other people who were like, 2020 has been hard on us all. Right. Would you like to buy a new Ford? You know, like those <laughs> commercials that have like fake deep meanings. Um, but no, really. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, as we've talked about before, when you donate to the podcast, it goes to it goes into our joint account for music expenses and mm-hmm. recording expenses and really anything that has to do with us being creative. Mm-hmm. So, and we you. were just talking before this about how maybe we should pick a cause to donate a portion of our mm. proceeds. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to you on that. We'll keep thinking mm-hmm. about that. Um, and if you're unable to support us with a monthly donation, we would love if you listen through iTunes to go to iTunes and leave us a review because um, that helps more people find the podcast. And we only have 35 reviews and we know that there are more of you out there. So, um, you know. Give us your thoughts publicly. <laughs> Which reminds me that I should really be leaving positive reviews for podcasts I love. Yeah, me it's too. It's just like I never, yeah, I never uh, think to do that. And I don't comment positive things on YouTube videos that I like mm-hmm. that often. Yeah. And I keep trying to remind myself to take a moment to do that because I feel like people are so much more likely to voice negative things oh, when yeah. they feel strongly about them. And um, I don't know. Let's tip the scales, you know, in the positive direction. And isn't it funny that we can, uh, like, we we get so separated between creators and consumers Mm. with content where, like, we know that when you comment, even if it doesn't get a bunch of likes on YouTube, like, there's a good chance the creator, if they're small enough, will see it. Mm -hmm. Yet, when I watch a video, I'm like, oh, I don't need to comment because they're never going to see it mm-hmm. there are a lot of comments yeah but it's like yeah, even if they don't see it just leave a comment anyway mm-hmm. maybe eventually they will see it mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be better about that on to the topic okay so we kind of wrote down we brainstormed and wrote down a few um i, I don't they're not like generalized they're just lessons that we've learned that will each spark a different kind of little conversation mm-hmm so do you want to do you want to you, you can read it and then I can I, I don't really have them written down in a way that's super succinct mm. but the first one we wanted to talk about is with regards to being authentic figuring out what feels good to create for you um how would you I I, I really struggle to like 
put this because it, it's such a big idea and it dovetails into so many other little conversations mm-hmm. too. How would you summarize this? Um, let's see. Don't we we've learned don't we've learned <laughs> not to in so many ways we've both learned to not try and create content or art just f- because we think it's the right thing to do in order to be popular mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah or i wasn't even thinking about it in terms of popularity i was thinking of it personally like in terms of success like I I feel like it's just if you watched or listened to rather our episode on money, you guys will know that I've had like such a I think a lot of us do, though, like a, just a complicated kind of painful relationship with money and never feeling like I'll have enough of it. And that I'm not like I, I've never felt like an adult because I've never felt like I could that I had that much freedom when it comes to money anyway. Lots of insecurities about that. And so when I was making stuff that was not really authentic to my tastes and to what my talents were, I was always doing it from a place of like lack of fearing that if I tried doing something a little more authentic or off the beaten path, that it wouldn't perform as well. And then I'd be, you know, am I going to have to go back and work at Starbucks again? That was always my like greatest fear. And it's funny that this topic, this lesson really, it encapsulates so many different aspects of our relationship and our lives. Some, some things that have been going on for a long time and other things that are relatively new. So for example, like with our music, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know, over the last year, we've been trying to write original music together and we've just tried a few different things. And right before we moved, we were trying to take Sarah's singer-songwriter songs and turn them into like electro-pop songs mm-hmm. because we were like, oh, that's hot. That's the hot music right now. Right. The Billie Eilish, the Halsey. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was even coming from like a disingenuous place necessarily. It wasn't at all. I think a huge part of it too is as you started to uh, take freelance music more seriously, right? Because for new listeners, Eric left his like nine to five-ish warehouse job at the start of the year and then started really prioritizing making freelance music for people Mm. so like you started to acquire some more tools and you had all these cool sounds and you like get excited about these things Mm -hmm. and we would be we consume a lot of like youtube videos by artists we really like listening to things about like how things how music's made Uh, like we like the song exploder podcast and now netflix series and so i feel like it was it was kind of like a genuine place we were coming from and that we were excited about like pop music and all of these different sounds and tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tried to then make our music in that style. Yeah, like I remember specifically we were working on uh, we were working on a song called Minus Sign. And I think you said you were like, what if we just like what if it just like kind of sounded like a Dua Lipa song? Yeah. Like what if it was like that disco pop thing? Yeah. And we were like, hell yeah. And we started putting it together and we were like, this is badass. Mm-hmm. And we we didn't ever feel like it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of had to put everything aside when we moved. And then once we got back into it, we were like, uh should we what if we just like went back and just tried to play them acoustic mm-hmm. like with acoustic guitars and 
then it kind of clicked that oh wait this is what we're both really good at Mm -hmm. like we're both best at doing music in this style right so like yes it's 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 fine to teach yourself and learn and experiment with creativity but it's like the song was written with an acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. and vocals so maybe we should just keep it there since it's our strengths and Mm -hmm. not try to turn it into a Dua Lipa song right and it's interesting because I remember when I was writing that song we were it was like when I first started writing the song was before the pandemic we were both working out at our local gym and like quite often while I'm like what will happen is like I'll be listening to a song on the radio or in this case like our gym like plays all these really bad remixes <laughs> and they had been playing like a remix of a Dua Lipa song and I I was listening to that song as I was like kind of working through my lyrics in my head during my workout and that's where that influence came from and, it, and like this and I just want to be clear that I if you are ever trying to emulate someone um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that it's just about kind of figuring out what like your reasons for doing things a certain way. Right. Um, And one of the reasons we figured out was, you know, we were, we were kind of subconsciously, I think thinking like the acoustic guitar, just like acoustic guitar and vocals, or maybe like acoustic stuff with like a light, a light band behind it. Mm -hmm. Like that's just been, it's just been done. Yeah. And it's like, we're, we're, there's no way we can achieve any sort of popularity by doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I think what kind of changed our perspective was my sister started talking about the artist Phoebe Bridgers to us. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we don't know who that is. So we looked her up and we started watching videos and hearing songs. And then we covered one of her, probably her most popular song. And she just, I mean, she definitely has her own unique style, but mm-hmm. her core genre is she's like just like an indie rock artist Mm -hmm. and like she does a lot of just acoustic guitar songs with vocals yeah and she's nominated for four grammys now Mm -hmm. and we were like oh wait no people still like there's always a market for for this style of music and it kind of just made us think about it differently Mm -hmm. and we were like we can do it in a way that's more true to us yeah and still be awesome Mm mm-hmm And at the same time, or shortly after, I had been listening to a lot of books about the music industry and um, just different YouTube videos, too, talking about marketing. And and I remember, like, listening to an interview with Charlie XCX, and she has very popular music, and she kind of writes her music, and she's talked about this. She writes it for streaming, as in, like, she gets right to the point. She makes it super poppy and she says she doesn't do anything like self-indulgent. So she really gears her music to like popular taste. And I feel like hearing her say that really influenced me and it made me feel like, I don't know, just all of the information I was taking in about kind of how to hack success or, or the fast track to success in the modern music industry. I tried to sort of start to like simplify my songwriting and make it more poppy and like fast which is not how i do anything you know so right and the recommendation for like the recommendation that charlie xcx is giving is 
don't do any instrumental intros Mm -hmm. just get right to the chorus the hook of the song and draw people in immediately (laughs) and when you're trying to like you said hack the music Mm -hmm. industry and hack songwriting that's like super attractive and you're like oh charlie xcx is pretty famous so like we should do that and then and now thinking back on it i'm like i couldn't hate that advice anymore right for us yeah. For us. It works great for her and her audience and what she's trying to accomplish. And that's like another one of these lessons that we keep coming back to. And it comes back to like authenticity. What it what it means is that you just because you can do something that you have the technical ability to do something like someone else who's met success in that way doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. And the lesson applies to her, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to tell her you shouldn't do that. That's disingenuous. Right. But if that feels true for her, then yes, she should do that. And we should not do that if it doesn't feel true for us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the advice. I, I, I I can't believe that (laughs) I would have ever thought that. Did you watch that interview? No, but you told me about it. Right. Um, And it's funny, right before we started doing the podcast, I was browsing the Green Day subreddit. And one of the popular posts was, um in the 90s billy joe got a letter from a parent who was like i bought my kid your record and it was a lot of curse words and stuff yeah and he wrote back and then the letter he wrote back inspired a song <laughs> and one of the lyrics is that's the difference t- between you and me i do what i want you do what you're told right and i'm like damn mm-hmm. that's punk rock yeah and it just to me really correlates to that like well, here's what you should do if you want to make it in the music business mm-hmm. this is how you write your songs and i'm like hold on the first step should be writing your songs however you want to express yourself. Yes. Not based on a formula. Exactly. And and not saying that anything is better or worse. I, I like I still love Charlie XCX music and I listen to it when I want to feel pumped up and I happy and carefree. And that's maybe that is like the kind of music I want to create at some point, but mm-hmm. you, usually like being someone who thinks a lot about mental health and like kind of darker topics that's not what has ever been what what has ever come naturally to me right so, yeah. imagine writing like sad girl music mm-hmm. but like a like a gym <laughs> pump up song yeah. your brain's like what am i supposed to be sad or happy right yeah so how does this apply to other parts of our life not just us making music well it it has applied to every single one of my creative exploits i would say the i mu- knew that the- i set you up Right. Yeah. Like the videos I make, just how I spend my free time. It doesn't have to apply just to, you know, if you don't identify as someone who's like an artist or a maker of things, like it applies to everything you do in life, every every way that you could spend your time. We've talked a lot about like our various um, journeys through like different fitness phases And it's become very apparent to me there, too, that I would see other people really enjoying certain sports or exercise routines, or I I follow quite a few like fitness influencers, or used to, at least I don't really now, but I was always like super inspired by their content. I'd be like, oh, they look so healthy and happy and fit. I should do that. Turns out it's an Instagram filter. (laughs) Yeah, well... Like, I think it is like very authentic to some people, like movement is very important to everyone. It Mm -hmm. just looks different for everyone. So the more you can, like now I've just, I just take long walks and I listen to an audio book and it's so, so great. Yeah. You're, you're getting like physical and mental exercise Mm -hmm. on your walks and you're like 
you're just a very small person. You don't need to go run 18 miles for your health. Yeah. You know, and like you found that just going out and moving your body Mm -hmm. in some way for 40 minutes is healthy for you. Yeah. It makes you feel good. It's not stressful anymore. I used to get so stressed out about like, oh, when am I going to do this run? Like, and then quite often I'd leave it to the very end of the day. And then I'd be like, well, I'll just start over tomorrow because now it's dark and I don't want to run. Yeah. It's like discipline is definitely important. And you know how they always share that quote, like, I've never regretted going to the gym. So just do it. But it's like, it's not really a matter of like, it's like should you do something that you don't that you always have to give yourself a pep talk to do mm-hmm. is the question how yeah, important it, is it to you i mean joe rogan has this very popular clip on youtube about how he talks about quote unquote conquering your inner bitch mm. he's like just get over your inner bitch just go to the gym make yourself sweat <laughs> don't be a bitch and i'm like you are you should not have a podcast <laughs> Because it's, I mean, he should, but for certain types of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just disagree with that, that reasoning. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's like, well, no, you shouldn't go to the gym if it's going to make you feel worse emotionally, even if it makes you look (laughs) better. Mm -hmm. If it makes your arms bigger, but makes your brain feel worse, you should weigh that. You should weigh them against (laughs) each other and see which is worse or better. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, when we go to the park now, like you said, you take long walks and I go and run and put in as much effort as I possibly can for 40 mm-hmm. minutes. And that doesn't stress me out. It mm-hmm. makes me feel good and empowered. Right. And we've really, we really have learned that. Yeah. I mean, I've always identified as like a slow moving person. I've never felt naturally inclined to involve myself in sports or like break a huge sweat or anything I very much pushed myself into that because I thought that's what a healthy fit you know person does and now coming back to just more gentle forms of movement um it's been better for me so yeah yeah, this is this authenticity uh, piece of the puzzle definitely applies to all areas of life I mean do you want to touch on YouTube content real quick because we've talked about um, it a lot in recent times sure you don't have to well i want to kind of talk about youtube as a different well at least my youtube journey mm. as part of a different point but i think for you it certainly we can talk applies. about that yeah um so i i finally started to seriously try and make youtube videos after we moved here so like in the middle of october and i've just been making videos like around every week and doing different things um kind of almost every time to try to figure out what feels the best um so the first the first three videos i made were about like podcasting and how you can make your podcast sound good if you're a beginner and they were fine but i didn't feel particularly um lit up yeah yeah like inspired by what i made it was kind of just like well you know i know about podcasting we have a podcast our podcast sounds good So I will use that information and make videos about them. And because I can do it, they will be popular and I can monetize my channel and make money. Which goes back to our earlier point. Just because you have the technical ability to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. And the videos are fine. But in my opinion, they're not as good as other people's videos on the same topic who are super, super stoked about it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, so I did that. And then I tried some comedy songs, which I liked. And then I did some like home studio recording technique type videos. Um, and those were fine too. But the most recent video I made was, it's, it's about, it's called how to write a green day song. And it's basically me breaking down like the little things Green Day does in their music that makes it sound like Green Day and what separates them from every other band. And then throughout the video, I pieced together a song, an original song that it's like a copycat Green Day song. Mm -hmm. And the entire time I was filming it and editing it, I was so excited Mm -hmm. because I just felt truly like in my element and like myself, like I was gesturing wildly as I do when I'm excited and talk about stuff. And I was like playing guitar really excitedly. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing because it's the perfect combination of like music, but me being able to be myself and make something original. Mm -hmm. So even in the last two months, me figuring out what kind of videos feel like my true self, Mm -hmm. it's just fits perfectly into this topic. Right. I think it's important to to not be afraid to just throw things at the wall. Just try things. Like he made a variety of different types of videos and none of them felt absolutely terrible. But like I, you know, as his partner can always tell what he's supposed to be doing because it's like it's the videos that he keeps talking to me about mm-hmm. that are the most gratifying for him. Whereas when you were working on the more informational like how to do this, like five steps videos, you just kind of did them quietly and you were like, oh, I just, a video just went live. Mm -hmm. And this one, you've been like kind of keeping me clued in Mm -hmm. along the entire way. Yeah. Because you're so excited about it. Right. And I think what's so interesting, this applies to both of us. I think this applies to a lot of people. I feel like 2020 has been this year of a lot of like cycles coming back to completion or yeah, just things coming back around that have been, what's the word I want to use? Like um, growing, mar- develop- developing, I was going to say marinating, marinating. <laughs> for like 10 years or something. And I think it's so funny that I'm, in terms of my like music that I'm making, I'm starting to make the music that I wanted to make when I was in high school and I first picked up a guitar and I was just writing like from the heart without thinking too much about like the pressure of is this going to make me money? It was just something I wanted to, I genuinely enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming back to that style of music. And then you like growing up as a kid, just being this like punky little kid. You you can say punky little shit. That would be true also. (laughs) And loving Green Day. And now like as an adult, you're coming back and you're like, oh, all of this is serving me so much. It's like their music has influenced my style Mm -hmm. so much. And now... It's like a coming full circle sort of thing. And it's funny that you mentioned the the full circle aspect because mm-hmm. I when I posted about it on my Instagram this morning to promote it to my followers, mm-hmm. my caption was, after many years of people telling <laughs> me my songs sound like Green Day, I finally made a video about how to write songs that sound like Green Day. What's hilarious too is that I remember a couple of years back, you played a show with your band and like someone said you sounded like Green Day. And you got upset Mm -hmm. because you were like, just because I have like these few elements doesn't mean that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I was always trying to shy away. Like, I know, like I kind of sound like Billy Joe (laughs) when I sing and I write things that sound like Green Day because they're a big influence, but I don't want to sound like Green Day. So this was really, really cathartic to just (laughs) say, 
I'm just going to go fucking <laughs> balls to the wall and make it as Green Day as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And now when I listen back to the song I made in that video, I'm like, this could, if it, if it wasn't me singing, if it was Billy Joe singing, this could literally be a Green Day song. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I finally cleared that hurdle <laughs> of being compared to Green Day once I just fully committed and made a song. Mm-hmm. And then I had someone on Reddit say the song was better than anything on their new album. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's that's really sweet. Yeah. It's not, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really, uh, that it just truly felt right. Right. And on the topic of authenticity, this is something we've talked about before, but just a couple of like steps if you are having trouble, like, what is my authentic self? Like, what do I even want? I feel like it's very normal for us in today's society to get very, very detached from that because sometimes we just don't know what our options are. But I think that if this is something you're struggling with a lot, like finding your passion or something that like even just a creative outlet, even if it's not going to be your career, um, I think just going back in time to what you were naturally drawn to as a child or as a young person before you we're aware of all of the adult responsibilities that we that are kind of like our reasons for not spending time with art Mm -hmm. like if you can go back and see like what were you doing as a kid just naturally i was painting i was writing and singing all the time and eric was what was eric doing i was pretending to be billy joe (laughs) in front of a mirror right yeah yeah so that that there's a lot of wisdom in that i think or mm-hmm. what would you what are you always talking about what do you, when you're procrastinating what are you, what mu- what um youtube videos are you watching yeah. what are you reading about thinking about mm-hmm. um eric always says what makes me forget to eat and go pee <laughs> yep right yeah that thing that you work on and you're so in the zone working on it that you're like I've had to pee for 40 minutes and I haven't gone because I don't want to get up and stop doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I haven't eaten since last night. <laughs> right. That will never happen because you live with me. That's true. <laughs> and sometimes if I'm working on something very intensely, Sarah will be like, I'm going to go cook. Okay. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. Guitar, guitar, guitar. And then she comes up with food and I'm like, Ooh, food. When'd you go to make that? I didn't see you leave. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That made it seem like I'm very rude to you, but I promise it's not like that. Okay, what do we have next on our list? I feel like all the things we wrote on our list, we kind of ended up touching on in one way or another. Okay. Because authenticity is really all that matters. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to engineer like a happy life in the least painful way possible, um, I think just getting to know yourself is the best. It's the only real solution, I guess. Mm-hmm is the only real route and like accepting who you are authentically goes hand in hand with the whole self-love thing which always confused me when i would hear people talk about like self-love i'd be like what does that mean does it mean like i secretly hate myself but i say that i love myself Mm. and i say that i'm not hurt by mean things people say about me but it's just become it's just something that kind of naturally happens i think the more you slow down and figure out what your natural like preferences and talents are Mm. yeah there's no band-aid for it unfortunately (laughs) but if there were i would sell them for the low low (laughs) price of 99.99 but i new year offer it's going to be 98.99 for the next week right 
Um, so I've been holding on to this thought actually since you mentioned the inner bitch thing. And I oh, think yeah. that this is another big lesson that I've learned. So inner bitch is actually um actually knows a lot. <laughs> so this is this is the the thing is that anything that makes you that you say makes you difficult or how how do I say this? Rewind. I've struggled with depression for as long as I can remember. And I think depending on your cultural upbringing, uh, people look at depression and anxiety and different mental illnesses in different ways. Some people really just want to chalk it up to genetics. This runs in my family and pretty much I'm just going to be unhappy my whole life. Chemical imbalances for various different reasons. Um, so some people will medicate. I've done that in the past. Some people, I don't know. It's just, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. I feel like where I come from, it's more looked at as like a kind of like a self-indulgent thing. As in, if you're sad all the time, it means that you're not really appreciating all the things that you have. So you should kind of just snap out of it, you know? Um, and that's, that's something I've carried with me for as long as I could remember, even if I tried to show myself some grace and, and be gentle with myself at, at the heart of it, I realized I was always just telling myself like, oh, you're just being difficult. You're just being needy and overly emotional and if you could just like gain some perspective and understand that, you know, you have a lot more than like past generations of your family or people in other countries, then everything would be fine. So when I would come up against a situation in life that brought me a lot of hurt, like I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in or living somewhere I didn't want to live or doing a job that I hated, I would use that line of thinking as a justification to stay there or to try to make it work. And see, like, when you think that way, you're stuck there forever until something, like, catastrophic pushes you out, until, like, your subconscious blows up and, like, kamikazes the relationship or the job or makes you sick so that you can't participate in it anymore. So... I think it's so funny that it like has taken me this long, like being someone who consumes so much information about psychology and spirituality. But like, I feel like 2020 is the year where I finally had to be like, you know what, like all of these dark feelings that I get actually have a lot of information. And instead of right, like I started the year getting back on my meds that I had like taken before and hadn't really worked for me. And not that I'm saying that, you know, going on medication isn't the right choice for a lot of people. But for me, it was like I wasn't listening to myself. Like I wasn't listening to my conscience and understanding that my depression was mostly coming from my circumstances and that these were circumstances that I was perpetuating. Mm -hmm. As in for a couple of years, like as soon as YouTube had become my job, I had been doing that job in a specific way that 
caused me a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, I won't get into all of the details because I feel like it's kind of what we've covered in a lot of past episodes, but just like taking on sponsorships that didn't feel like fully aligned, not because they were like sleazy companies or anything, but because like, I just didn't want, I, I didn't want it to be in your brand. Mm-hmm. You didn't want it to be a part of yeah. your thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard cause like I, I, I am in a relationship with you and we have friends that are creators mm-hmm. and I, like I just talked about, I'm starting to get into the YouTube thing, which at some point, if it becomes my job, there will be sponsorship opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we all know it's a part of life, but it still just feels like, oh my God, we're all just like trying to sell stuff to each other to make money. Right. So like, even though like I totally understand and am assuming those opportunities will come up for me in the near future, mm-hmm. it's still like, yeah, I, I get why you don't want that to be a part of your thing because right now when you go online on social media everyone is just trying to sell you something Mm -hmm. that's basically what social media is nowadays yeah um so i i totally get it yeah and so how do you when do you think this became like i know it's been clear for you Mm -hmm. that it was wrong Mm -hmm. but when did you feel like you could do something about it I still am not like fully there yet. So like for more context, right, I've been doing YouTube as a job since like end of 2017. And what would happen, I don't think I've ever like actually said this, but like what what happens is like basically every time I have to do a sponsored video, I fall into like a deep depression and I procrastinate to the very last minute. And it just makes it makes me like not want to get out of bed or do any of the things that I like. And it just takes up so much time and energy that I feel afterwards like drained. Like I don't do anything the entire day after. And and then it it became a more more of a spotlight was sh- shown Sean <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Who's Sean? On, on this topic when like Eric and I started to try and make music together. And Eric would be like, "Do you want to work on music?" and I'd be like, "No." <laughs> and I'd be like, well, why don't I want to work on music? I love music. I love making things. And it was because I was so exhausted. So, but here's the thing is that I was like, oh, this is just my inner bitch. You know what I mean? Like plenty of other people make money in this way and they don't, it's not a problem for mm-hmm. them. And I don't care that they do it. Like I don't judge other people, but like for me, like it just didn't feel right. And Instead of like saying, okay, well, I'm different than those other people and maybe there's a different way I can figure out how to earn a livelihood. I said, this is just like a neurosis I have. Let's go spend thousands of dollars in therapy so I can understand like why, like what's my inner block to receiving money or asking for money? Like, why do I feel undeserving of money? And like, I was so depressed all the time. So I was like, I'll just get back on my meds instead of even considering like maybe, you know, maybe there's some other way we can rebuild my life so that it doesn't feel intolerable. So this, this comes back to a conversation we were having earlier this morning 
that we'd never talked about before and we didn't plan to talk about on the podcast, but it's just something that happened that's relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is we were talking about how therapy can work. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, does it work? I mean, like the different ways in which a therapist can assist you. Mm -hmm. And we we were kind of talking about how there, there, there are two options. It's like sometimes a therapist will try to I, I don't know you can go to therapy and try to be changed right so you mm-hmm. fit into society more and you're like oh i'm not weird or fucked up anymore look i'm a normal functioning member of society but the other way is like well what if i don't want to be what if i don't want to just be like herded into the rest of people like because yeah. of, and like ignore my issues what if i learned how to take the weird parts of my brain and still thrive with them and not just try to fix them right fix them is a weird way to put it right Mm -hmm. yeah and also just like to be abundantly clear i'm not trying to shit on therapy or medication at all no i'm just saying from my particular circumstances like basically i had taken like i've taken at least 20 different types of antidepressants over the course of my life i know they don't work for me but I was just so resigned at that point that I was like, let's just fucking try another one. Like, mm. like, let's just try it. And I just, I don't know why, but I just had this fundamental block to even considering that there's different ways to make money. Do you know what I mean? And there are people who create like music and content on YouTube mm-hmm. and all sorts of different types of art who don't like make all of their money from sponsorships, you know? Yeah. And the the problem is that I wasn't leaving any time for myself to get in touch with those alternate possibilities because I was using all of my energy doing the safe thing. So I would take like two months at a time at different points, like saying like, okay, I'm not going to take any more sponsorships because like it's just draining. I need a break um, and I'll just do what I want. I'll just make what I want to make. But again, like I was so fucking drained from doing all the sponsored videos that I didn't have any creative energy left. So I'd end up just going on a a hiatus, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, okay, well, uh, I need money (laughs) to survive and afford my therapy. So let me take the sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And it was always just out of a place of lack. And it it was so sad to me because like – it it wasn't as if I was like taking sponsorships and making like a ton of money. It was like I was just making enough to cover my expense, my living expenses and my health insurance and stuff like that. So it was like not only was I miserable all the time, but I was like, I can't really even stop to figure things out because I have expenses. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's literally just like a like a self-employed influencer new age media (laughs) Mm -hmm. version of like me being stuck at my job yeah you know it's like i am drained all the time i'm here all the time it's not like i'm fabulously wealthy from my warehouse job i just make enough to survive Mm -hmm. yet i don't know how to get out of it right right and it's the it was the same it's the same exact thing for you but instead of instead of going there every day and doing it it's like it was like three days worth of 
it's like three days of non-stop intense work Mm -hmm. sure like you're at your house and like you're quote-unquote living the life and you should be you should be thankful and grateful Mm -hmm. and not complain but it's the same fucking thing it's just a different (laughs) version of it right Right. because you it's not like oh i guess i'll take the sponsorship that's giving me three hundred thousand dollars it's like no (laughs) now i can pay rent imagine great Mm -hmm. thanks yeah that is, I mean, I still find myself kind of in the situation and like only now I'm like, n- no, I have to find a way out. And it's only been like the past, like since we moved here, so much has changed and that's really what's got me questioning everything really deeply. Mm. And I think, it, and it, here's the other thing is that it, I didn't, I think part of the reason I hated it so much wasn't even because it was like difficult. It was usually like 60 seconds plug this product or you know service and it's that i just don't want to be part of this like consumer culture anymore i it's it caused me a lot of pain to be sucked into that myself just like as soon as i started making money in college because i came from like not a super well-off background i just found myself buying and buying and buying and buying trying to like validate myself trying to i felt like if I grew up and I could afford things that I never had before, then that was a measure of success. And it just just made me like this big, empty black hole. And I didn't want, I, I've never wanted to contribute to that. So I don't want to be selling things that, you know, people don't need necessarily that, you know, obviously nobody's, I'm not forcing anyone to buy anything, but it's just not my it's not how i want to be making money you know you want to be influencing people to do other things mm-hmm. right if yeah. you are a so-called influencer which i know some people who are influencers hate being called influencers <laughs> um but you don't want to use your influence for that specifically and yeah. i really want to hammer home that sarah and i have had this discussion a million times and we do not care who does sponsorships and unless it's like a shitty fucking sponsorship but yeah right i mean if you're doing like a sponsorship for like the kkk sure mm-hmm. you're a bad person yeah. but like we have friends that do sponsorships on instagram and also the rock does sponsorships on instagram for his fucking tequila mm-hmm. like we don't care like if you feel good doing that great yeah it, like it, it doesn't matter to us we're specifically just talking about sarah's experience right and i like i do like to share things that i like that i think would help other people that they could also buy if they wanted to but i don't want to do it in like that i don't know mm-hmm. i don't want to do it because i have to i want to i would just do it for free like if I, you really cared and believed in yeah yeah and I think another thing about me, and I, this is something that would vary person to person, but I've always wanted to be seen for what I know and what I do and what I make. And I just want to make art that reflects that. Like I would love for my YouTube videos to be an art form again. And it's kind of like, not that I'm like likening my YouTube videos to like da vinci's work or anything but it's like putting a sponsorship like a like a kroger stamp on like mona lisa do you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah it, i just don't want that yeah i mean it's it's just on a smaller scale it's like it's like when you see how 
everything is branded now mm-hmm. whether it be i mean football is stupid to begin with i mean i've always been a football fan but like let's face it football's fucking stupid so like it's less it's less disheartening that like the saints play in a stadium called like the mercedes-benz superdome mm-hmm. but like everything is branded right it's like yeah. the foo fighters did an online concert and it's brought to you by miller high life mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god like it's just everything is an ad nowadays mm-hmm. including our art and right. you're trying to just somehow narrowly avoid that in any way you can yeah, yeah. or at least not feel like i'm a total slave to it which i have been and that's why i've been mentally ill for you know a long time (laughs) and i can't escape it because like all of my life has just been work and we've talked about the youtube creator lisi chi is that how you say it Mm -hmm. um who is a chinese woman who makes uh she makes like kind of like homesteading videos in the rural land somewhere in china and she doesn't do any sponsorship she doesn't speak in her videos Um, right because she doesn't buy like everything that (laughs) it's like so hard to explain you guys should just go watch one of her videos and they're just so serene and peaceful and beautiful they're like a full-on art production there's no sponsorships there's quite often there's no speech even there's just like beautiful music and the sounds from whatever is happening but she just makes everything from scratch she grows things on her farm anything she doesn't grow like she will like get them from someone in town nearby and so it's like that's like the life that i want you know is i want to be not giving my money all the time to like huge corporations like i want to make things from scratch whenever possible i want to honor other people who are makers with like by buying directly from them instead of getting it from a more convenient or inexpensive place because i think that objects and food hold more than just they hold like intention right they hold energy in them um and i i just want i i find that i function what's really important to me is like having frameworks for things like building systems understanding things um in like really coherent yeah systems Mm -hmm. And so I want everything that I do to be in integrity with that system. And yeah, I just, I never found that like plugging a big company like that doesn't really need me to do it sat well with me. It's like when we see ads on, I don't know, like what we'd watch Hulu and get ads Mm -hmm. and it's like an ad for like Coca-Cola. And yeah. you're like, Coca-Cola needs to run fucking ads. It's Coke. <laughs> Everyone has drunk Coke in their life. Right. Why are you running an ad? Mm-hmm. So like, I get that. I mean, you, you did, you, you went on Etsy and you bought like these fabric reusable bowl covers. So you mm-hmm. didn't have to use as much plastic wrap or tinfoil. And you just took a picture of it and you posted it on Instagram and you tagged the person who made it, who has like a thousand followers. And you were like, oh, I just got these. I love these. They're amazing. And then they responded. They were like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Will, you, will you post more about my my thing? I'll send you some more products for free. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. Because this person cares that you, that you did that mm-hmm. for a whole different reason. Yeah. Right? It's like big companies, they don't, they don't care about, mm-hmm. they don't care about us. 
Right. You know? I mean, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like, when I think about that exchange that I had with that shop owner, it's it's not just a matter of giving them money. It's a matter of, like, recognizing the beauty in something they made, mm-hmm. right? And that is ideally, like, that's how the entire world would function. It doesn't right now uh, because not everyone has the like the luxury or privilege of being able to do exactly what they want or has the luxury of having the time to foster their talents so that they can use it to make something to make a living. Mm. So yeah, that's just like, it's like all of these little pieces of this framework that I'm talking about have been like floating around my head for like three years and I haven't fully understood it. And I've just said, like, yep, I'm really difficult and neurotic. I definitely need to be medicated and I need a therapist to just make me more tolerant to living normal human life. And only now am I like, oh, there's a different way. Like, there's plenty of examples out there. I need to seek more examples and expanders who can show me, like, what are my options? Like, how can I make a business that feels good to me, that feels like I'm doing good for the world and for other people and the environment? Um, yeah, so that's where I find myself now. I'm not on the other side of it yet. I just, January, I'm wrapping up my final sort of like batch of things I've committed to out of a sense of lack and fear. Um, and then afterwards I'm like, I just have to figure it out. Like I have to create the space for that to come through for me. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this is a little too meta to say on a podcast, but that was probably one of my favorite conversations (laughs) we've ever had on the podcast yeah well it's just it's like it's just occurred to me and it's crazy it's so interesting what i've realized more than anything in 2020 as well is that we're so mm, we don't know what all our options are like we're born into this life and like it's just a total crapshoot like what ideas and belief systems we're exposed to it's just like whatever family we happen to be born into and it's really hard to see past that sometimes and it just sometimes it just takes time and it takes a lot of like pain and it takes a lot of failure or running into things or like doing the same thing over and over again wondering why it doesn't feel any better to to realize that like you know your inner bitch was telling you all along like oh you're not supposed to do things like like this yeah you know right wow okay <laughs> i mean how do we even segue into something else what else is there i don't i don't know look look at the list what does it say is, it, is there anything <laughs> on there that sparks something i had that you... uh, i wrote integrity which is what we just talked about mm-hmm. uh consumerism rant kind of what we just talked about mm-hmm. yeah well it's interesting because it's like uh, it's kind of like when you think about it in terms of being vegan, which we don't talk a lot about on the podcast, but it is like a huge part of my identity and it fits so perfectly into this framework. It's all about just reducing harm. And like, it, like I don't know, whatever. I should have just yourself. listened. I've just known these things for my entire life. I just have always wanted to be this like quiet, like person who gets honored for like knowing things and helping people and making beautiful things and taking however long I need to, to make it. Like one time in art class, it's funny, like my dad wouldn't have probably let me take art class if it weren't like a required elective, but like to graduate high school, you had to take 
at least one semester of art class. So that's so fascinating. <laughs> right. So I, I got to do this and we had an assignment and you, we had a certain number of days to complete it. But like the teacher really liked what I had going on. So she was like, OK, I just want you to take however long it takes you to, to finish this because I want to use it like as, a, as an example for this project for future years. She was like, just don't worry about the next project, like keep working on this. And I'm like, that's like what my ideal situation would be in life was like, there's no YouTube algorithm, like dictating, mm -hmm. like just turn this shit out for me so I can keep running ads on your, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. that's what YouTube is about. Yeah. The other day I was scrolling through Instagram because I couldn't sleep and I realized for the first time that like every fourth post on your feed is sponsored. How did I not notice this before? It's because Instagram knows what your brain looks like and they show you shit that Blends looks right like in. something you would have followed, and but it's trying to sell you something. And then <laughs> in between the sponsored posts are posts by people you follow mm -hmm. who are also half the time trying to sell you something different. Yeah. But like what I realized was I was in this f crazy spiral where... Because like I said earlier, like I didn't grow up with a ton of things and I thought that having things in a nice house and like tons of clothes was just like the marker to success. And then as soon as I started making money, I started spending all of it. And then I was just in this like spiral and spiral and it wasn't making me happy and I had to work more so that I could keep affording it. And I just never realized like that there was like an alternative means of measuring success mm -hmm. and that would just be like fulfillment like do you like how you spend your time do you like how you feel do you like how you make other people feel mm -hmm. and so now that i'm like as it happens like buying less stuff is also good for the world and also like meshes so perfectly with all of your values and also kind of makes it like it would now be out of integrity for me to start selling a bunch of shit or like taking a bunch of sponsorships from brands that aren't like more ethically inclined. So it's like if I just this framework exists and all of the parts are coming together and now I know like the way forward to feel good and now it creates so much space and time and less of a need to like bust my ass to make money because I'm not bringing that many new things into my life anymore. I'm just thinking about how there's this fat, squishy mass inside of your skull that's electric. That's controlling everything that's coming out of your out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And then while your squishy mass is working, my squishy mass is working you know, to think of something to respond. And now I'm speaking out of my mouth. Yeah. This is why our podcast is called What Is Life, Dude? Because what are brains, dude? This is what that's all we are. Our bodies are literally nothing without our brain. It's crazy. <laughs> Let me just say, when you were talking about your, your high school teacher, mm -hmm. can I just give an anecdote real quick? Mm. I took, me and my friend AJ in high school, junior year, we took a class called Electronic Music with Mr. Frank Doyle, who played keyboards for Meatloaf back <laughs> in the, he toured with him in the 80s, maybe. They called him uh, Frank Fingers. For Frankie Finger, something like that. <laughs> but great guy, great teacher. But me and AJ loved electronic music and we like really, we really thrived. Um, 
so then that was it. There was just electronic music. And then the next semester, Mr. Doyle had electronic music again with a whole another group of kids who have never taken it. But me and AJ were like, we really want to keep going. Like, we want to do more in logic and learn more stuff from you. And he's like, let me talk to the school. So we talked to the school and we took it again. So we were in the class of the beginners the next semester. And they we, we had electronic music, too, on our schedule, something that had never existed. Um, and we, we, like, kind of helped the beginners. And Mr. Doyle kind of helped us separately and showed us, like, more advanced techniques. And it's just, I kind of had forgotten about that. And mm -hmm. it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I'm realizing now it was senior year because Mr. Doyle also came to my house and mm -hmm. came and went to my home, my basement home studio, my dad's <laughs> house when I was sick and wasn't allowed to go to school. Mm -hmm. And we worked on stuff in my basement of my dad's house. Oh. It was awesome. And yes, I understand how pri privileged I am to go to a school that made that possible and had those resources. Gave you logic? Um, it might have been GarageBand. Okay, yeah. But um, like, we max max and keyboards and the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah. That's just something that reminded me. And well, yeah. just think about that. Like for this teacher who probably teaches music to a lot of people who like don't necessarily feel that passionate about it. Maybe they're just like, oh well, this will satisfy an elective, and then I can. This is like the least bad version of an elective that I can mm -hmm. use to graduate. Yeah. And then to be able to connect with a student who like really fucking cares about it, and like that's that's how everything would be ideally is that everyone gets to be super passionate about something, and we're all just going around validating one another's passions and learning as much as possible from what everyone has to offer about mm -hmm. their specific niche. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny because he also taught IB music, which my friends Matt and Ben, who I went to college with, mm -hmm. um, took. And me and AJ were like, we didn't know that much about music theory or anything, yeah. but we were super passionate about mm -hmm. just making cool shit on mm -hmm. the computer. <laughs> so very grateful for that experience. I should uh, find him on Contact Facebook. Contact him. Yeah. I think we're friends on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Got to talk to Mr. Doyle. Um, yeah, I. It it really is it's fascinating that this whole conversation is, has really boiled down to authenticity mm -hmm. and just finding our true selves and what we really care about and want to do. Yeah. It's amazing that y you feel like, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. and you, you don't, yeah. it like takes much more experience and failure to figure out. Yeah. And I just, I wish, I want to try to find more um, guests for the podcast who can share their individual journeys with similar things, especially people who are in creative fields. But I would love to have some guests on who are like very different from me or you. Because mm -hmm. I like, I understand not everyone will feel things like as you know like me having a mental breakdown every time i have to do a project for, like not everyone is like that mm. like i think a majority of people aren't like that and the majority of people or i don't know if this is true i know a lot of youtube creators end up having mental illness and like quitting or taking breaks but like yeah i just would love to hear other people's perspectives on navigating that and like building a business or social media presence that feels like ethical well, um, it's funny because we talked to Jasmine and Chris from Sweet Simple Vegan mm -hmm. um, 
in March or April of this year on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we touched on this because I don't think it was in our um, like thinking scope. Right. No, it wasn't. Because yeah. at the time, I think we were very we, we were kind of still trying to do something similar to them. We were trying to be like doing a food oriented business like as a couple. And we were like reading all of the like business hacks and marketing hacks and mm-hmm. trying to learn about ads and such. So I don't think it was really on our radar that we needed to figure out a different way to go about things. I, w- what even is a hack? Like that word has been, <laughs> that word has been like so bastardized, yeah. I feel like. And it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And I feel like based on what we just talked about, half the time you're like hacking something on your way to success. <laughs> it like you're you're not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Not, you can't hack it. You can't hack life. Right. You could try. You can you can try. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works. I think like sometimes it's just hard. There's no um, quick fix for I mean, anything. Is that like people offer all sorts of. Uh, well, I was going to say bacteria for a second. Bacteria <laughs> just came to my mind, but it has nothing to do with what I was saying. People have all sorts of bacteria. People have all sorts of advice to offer. Just like the weird. helps, the self-help industry of like books and podcasts and such is so huge and profitable now. And see, that's the problem is like now it's like people trying to sell you things and like mm-hmm. programs and products to make like, you know. Four Sigmatic will make you not depressed anymore <laughs> or right. something. Yeah. Um, but it's like now that's an industry and it's monetized and it's hard to tell what people's motivations are. But there's all sorts of different types of advice out there. Much of it is conflicting and you just have to see what resonates with you. But the problem is that sometimes what resonates with what you think resonates with you is just resonating with what you have been programmed to believe. Mm-hmm. I think I just have to give up because I think what's what's clear is that like you just don't some sometimes you just need time to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You need um, to make mistakes. I was talking to my sister Lauren on the phone this morning. And I was just, I was, I was talking to her about how we've gotten, we've gotten emails and DMs from our listeners who they talk about, like, it's so nice that you guys like want, like you talk about self-help and self-improvement, but you're not like, here's how to fix your life. Like you guys are just kind of figuring it out too. And we're along for the ride. And that's really helpful for me. And I just think that's so that's so nice, and I'm glad that our podcast has be, kind of become that mm-hmm. for people, right? Because like you were talking about with self-help, like a lot of the content is like, here's how to hack your life and fix it now in 10 easy steps. <laughs> and we kind of exist on the podcast to say like... Um, we tried those hacks. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't work. It's harder than that. Um, and yeah, that's... That was the whole thought. Mm-hmm. That it's just I'm I'm glad we kind of found ourselves in that role, and I agree. that it does help people. Yeah, I like it better because I am someone who, you know, a lot of Gemini in my chart, <laughs> so I'm always trying to acquire new information, and I always kind of feel I have some insecurities. I think sometimes that I'm not 
giving people enough value or not sharing enough information or I I feel like I should wait until I have the entire thing figured out before I should dispense, you know, advice or information. And just kind of accepting that I will never be that person, that I'll always be changing and growing and taking in more information because I'm addicted to it is and and but that I can still help people by just putting my experience out there. And I feel like what a lot of people have said to us, and I think this is just how reality works, is that whatever you're exposed to, whatever stories you hear other people talking about, what they're going through, it always reflects on you. Do you know what I mean? Like you can almost always apply something that someone else is going through to your life in a different way. Uh, whether, you know, maybe the exact opposite thing that's right for me is right for you. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe you are the person who just needs to focus on convenience because you're like a, a business person or you're really high powered executive. You know what I mean? You live like a super fast paced life. And like I'm the opposite. Do you know what I mean? I mean, even within our relationship, as we're both trying to navigate like finding success and happiness doing what we do in our lives yeah it's like we are such different people Mm -hmm. um and i mean that's a huge thing we've learned in 2020 is that not everyone it's not everyone has it figured out or can figure it out so easily yeah and like our experience struggling (laughs) Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word will and can help people yeah. And that's why we never that's why we always say like, well, this is just our experience. So we don't we don't know what it's going to be like for you. Yeah, because it's true. No one does. And I think when I when I talked earlier about how we're born into this world and raised and we have kind of a filter of beliefs, I think sometimes it makes it hard for us to see from our vantage point different options that we have. And that's why sometimes it's way easier to give somebody else good advice or to understand someone else's situation or to recognize a pattern that someone else is stuck in. Mm -hmm. And so just putting those things out there that are happening for me in my life, I feel like might give other people clarity. Because like what I'm doing wrong, quote unquote wrong, everything's a learning opportunity, I, I suppose. But like it might be abundantly clear to someone. And then when they recognize it in my life, they might be able to then, you know, import that wisdom into their own experience yeah i mean you're notorious in our in our relationship you're notorious for being able to help me navigate things i'm like why do i hate my life (laughs) that you'd otherwise be unable to navigate for yourself right you know yeah it's so funny like when i was talking about my whole ordeal with like sponsorship issues i don't think i've ever like put it out there in that exact way I feel like social media, like, I'm always wanting to be transparent about my mental health issues and, like, help people understand that it's normal. But sometimes I I don't want things to come off as, like, super self-pitying or, like, Mm -hmm. too self-indulgent. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how much do I put out there without making people worry about me too much? But also letting people know, like, this is the reality of the situation. Um, So I feel like when we were talking about that and, like, how much, like, doing the sponsored videos, like, really incapacitates me, I was just, like, shaking the entire time. And I feel like you'll hear it in my voice, but it's, like, it's, like, that is such a, 
a pain point for me that I have not really fully worked through. And I'm sure like at one, like some point in the future, we'll be doing an episode and I'll be like, oh yeah, remember when I thought that the only way for me to make a living was by doing these things and I'll be able to talk about it in like a much more like free and unemotional place because I'll have figured it out. Like that's what I'm looking forward to. I think everyone should visualize what it would be like to be on the other side of the thing that's causing you a lot of pain Mm -hmm. at the time. Right. I mean, like, I mean, even for me, it's like, you remember when I worked at the warehouse and like our <laughs> relationship? Like, I can't quit the warehouse. I can't. Right. Yeah. And I, I never did. And it's, it's like, well, you remember how our relationship struggled because of it? And, uh, you know, like, remember how I would come home and then run while you cooked dinner and I would never help you cook dinner because I had I didn't have enough time in the day to do all the things I needed to do. And it was really hard for us. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, look, it's just, it's just over now. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so now the next time I have one of those blocks, I'm like, what will it look like when I can say, holy shit, remember when that was so fucking hard? Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> right. Just right. try to envision like what the future you is thinking about your current predicament, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it always looks very simple in, in hindsight, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, really does. Right. That's why they say hindsight is 2020. 2020. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to think like I'd rather be having the struggles I have now than the ones I had like five years ago. But when I think back to five years ago, it felt so impossible to get out of those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I hate my relationship? Why do like, am I ever going to get a job that pays me more than $11 an hour like ever Mm -hmm. and now it's like I just have a different set of more kind of advanced problems Mm -hmm. and I guess maybe that is part of human nature is to always want more but I always remember kind of where you came from and acknowledge your growth is where I always like to bring things back to but it's funny that you said like human nature is to always be wanting more yeah and usually (laughs) when people say stuff like that they mean like money or material possessions Mm -hmm. and you're talking about happiness and fulfillment well you know what's funny is uh, you and i just had this conversation the other day where i was like i always kind of assumed that what it means to like grow your like grow more successful is like you have more people who like you all the time and sell more things and more things and you make more money and you scale up. I was thinking about this because I was thinking about like big corporations like Amazon and Walmart and how, you know, their employees are not particularly well paid, but all their products are extremely inexpensive compared to alternatives from smaller businesses, etc. And I was like, well, how did that happen? Like who was like started, who started Amazon? And they were like, now it's grown to what it is. And they're still like, oh, it has to grow more. And I was like, that's how I've been kind of viewing my my business. Like I've just wanted to just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I'm like, well, what if that isn't my goal? Like, what if my goal is to just always make better things, right? Like my example I gave you, I think we had this conversation in the shower was I was thinking about how this um, former YouTuber, Ingrid Nilsson, who I've been, I've watched her videos for like, 
a decade. I remember watching her in college. She used to make beauty videos and then she kind of transitioned to general lifestyle. She does some fashion stuff. And after a decade on YouTube, she quit. And now she she had like millions of subscribers too. And oh, she got to interview Obama too at the White House. Oh. That was pretty sweet. So she was very successful in YouTube land. And um Oh wait, I remember that. Didn't a few YouTubers go? Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember that. And she quit and she was like, this just isn't serving me anymore. And then after like a little bit of a social media hiatus, she came back on Instagram and she was like, well, I started a candle company. And I was like, how fucking cool is that? That whenever she launches her first like release, it's probably going to sell out because she's been building relationships with people by creating free content for 10 years. And now it's like anyone who has felt moved by her work or like related to her like i've related her to her in so many different ways like she's half uh, half asian um and her dad passed away when she was younger and so i just like i have identified with so much of her journey so like like i would totally support her do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i'm like she just kind of like scaled her like like sphere of influence down like but is finding more fulfillment from it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wouldn't that be fucking awesome to just be like, I'm dedicated to making things that will make someone's life better. And also I'm not comparing the fact that maybe a candle matters less than like something else. Do you know what I mean? Like a candle is just like a beautiful, simple thing. That's not necessarily a necessity, but that is going to mean some something to someone. I mean, do you remember when we were watching the Korean drama Itaewon class? Mm-hmm. It's about this guy who opens a restaurant and wants to be the most successful f- food uh, company in Korea. And his arch nemesis is like, oh, well, that's not how you do business. And the main character, the protagonist is like, well, I think business is all about people mm-hmm. and all about treating people well and serving them good food that makes them happy and it's not all about money he's like i don't want to be the best so i'm rich i want to be the best so someone who you know truly cares is is the one giving out you know selling food and whatnot right that was not a great explanation (laughs) um but it's like the same thing yeah you know it's like like ingrid nielsen is is successful because people really like her Mm -hmm. because she's treated people well and I'm sure if, like, let's say Rhett and Link, I know, I know there are a bunch of Ear Biscuiteers listening to our <laughs> podcast. I saw your Spotify raps. Um, if Rhett and Link quit YouTube, I'm sure a ton of people will be like, okay, bye. But a huge portion of their fan base will follow them whatever they do next because we like them and mm-hmm. we like their brains. And, you know. Yeah. They've never, like, done bad, sketchy things out, like, in their... <laughs> personal lives and they seem like good guys yeah yeah it really is all about relationships and so i've been trying to kind of reframe my definition of success so that it's like what is the influence i'm having on people like individually like can every interaction i have with someone like on social media be something that makes their day better or makes them feel more validated or less alone whether it's through like making food that is is good or something to do more with mental health it's how i want to think about music too it's funny right before we started filming i took out an old notebook 
um, to write down notes. This is a whole other episode. <laughs> what's in this notebook? Yeah. And this is, this is the notebook that I had with me when I went to Rhythmia and I did my four ayahuasca ceremonies. I hadn't looked at it for a year because I went about just over a year ago for those ceremonies. So I was kind of like paging through the notes I had taken while I was tripping balls. <laughs> and like one of them, I was like, play more music, just you and your guitar. And I was like, what? <laughs> I forgot that I wrote that. But I remember that I wrote it because during one of the ceremonies, we had this group of musicians there. One of them, her name is Pia, P-E-I-A. And she's just like a fucking sound healer, like is the only way I can describe her. I'm not sure if that's how she describes herself, but like she just had like a bunch of different like stringed instruments and it was just her singing. And like when you're like under the influence of, you know, ayahuasca, it just really amplifies sound and like the emotionality that goes with sound and music. And I remember like having this un this realization that like, oh, like one person and their instrument can have such a huge rippling effect on people. And like I wrote this down and then I forgot about it. And now I'm like, oh, like I want to think about music as like a means to heal people mm -hmm. and like touch them deeply. And that really doesn't have anything to like a doctor sees one patient at a time. Like a doctor's not like, oh, gotta get those numbers up, gotta like mm -hmm. scale my influence. They're like, what I'm I'm talking to you right now. Like you, patient, I'm gonna understand what you need and like help heal you. And like that's the approach I wanna take with everything that I make is like seeing people for what they are and what they need and making that. It was it was just funny because Sarah went to get that notebook so she could <laughs> just like like we always do take notes about um what we're going to talk about so we have some sort of guideline for the episode <laughs> and we were talking about like what well, we have to talk about how like, we're, we've been trying to figure out how to make music that feels authentic to mm -hmm. us you know like we talked about playing a guitar and singing <laughs> and then she opens that notebook and it says play play more music just you and a guitar and we're like <laughs> holy shit yeah. That's exactly what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's how the universe works. I How would you feel about like thumbing through that notebook and picking some things and talking about them in an episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you want to do that? Yeah, I do want to do like a full on one year post ayahuasca sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to put some, put together more notes before I do that. Cause it's yeah. such like what has kept me from doing the video about it on YouTube for so long is that it feels like such a huge topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think the podcast is such a good outlet for that, mm -hmm. you know, because I think the little audience we've accumulated is, more on board with like i don't think anyone who listens to the podcast is going to yell at you for trying a psychedelic drug yeah you know whereas <laughs> the general youtube community might it was just my my youtube community which mm -hmm. has grown accustomed to you know a very clean <laughs> pc family friendly right yeah which is why i'm glad i'm grateful for this community mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny talking about Rhett and link and ear biscuits like, like they've always said Good Mythical Morning, their YouTube show is like family friendly and your kids can listen to it. 
and it's gotten a little raunchier over the years as they've mm. started to give less of a shit i think right like but the time podcast, when they oh. were uh they rubbed butter and cheese all over ling like he was a corn on the cob yes they turned him into a human elote right for right. a fundraiser yes and it worked or was, um, was that only sensual for me sorry <laughs> <laughs> it might have been sensual for christy link's wife um but <laughs> like when i started listening to their podcast and one of them was like something something bullshit and i was like <gasps> do they just cuss it's like this whole different universe of Rhett and Link. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's what we're trying to turn. We've learned so much about the podcast and like what we want, <laughs> like things in our brains, like what we want to come out. Right. Well, you know? it's it's so funny. I don't know if we would have had all of these realizations if we weren't taking time every week to reflect about them. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes you like have experiences, but in order to recognize that you're like stuck in a pattern or, or in a rut, you have to be like, and then I did this and then I did this again and then I did this again out loud. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, you're like, do you yeah. hear yourself? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny when we revisited the first episode of the podcast for last week's episode, mm. two weeks ago. Um, it's all a blur. You know, we we talked about how. At the very beginning of the first episode, I was like, well, you know, Sarah and I, we've been having all these conversations in the shower and we're like, we should start recording them again, right? That's <laughs> why we did the the podcast the first time, even though it was a struggle. And I feel like we do go through these phases where you're like, hey, before we go to bed, can we just like talk? And I'm like, oh, about what? And you're like, I don't know yet. Let's just talk before bed and see what comes out. But most of the time now, like we... In this episode, you said multiple times, oh, well, Eric and I were talking about this when, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, we're just talking about shit like this all the time now. Yeah. And then we kind of, we've just started to pick and choose something we want to do a deep dive into mm -hmm. for an episode. Yeah. And I think that's why we've been thriving. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. Whew. My voice is very tired because okay. I st always, you guys know, I start screaming by the middle of the podcast. <laughs> So shall we wrap it up? I'm think, happy with this one. It's a lot. It's yeah. really a lot. Sarah has reclined and is no longer speaking into her microphone. I'm also very sweaty. <laughs> I, um, got, I got so sweaty and like shaky just talking about some of that shit. And I feel like that's always a sign that like you haven't fully processed it. You do you know? feel like it was somewhat of a detox? It was harrowing <laughs> to and say the least. There, there we are back to the first 30 seconds of yeah, the episode. I need to go take a an epsom salt bath and Ooh. you know run an exorcism or something let's go <laughs> i really like supporting small exorcism businesses never have a large corporation run your exorcism you know you. one time i went to a mega church for an exorcism and they completely fucked it up and now i'm worse and more demonic than ever so i've started to go the tiger to a, king voice so i started to go to a home owned to, to a family owned church yeah. And they gave me the exorcism right this time, goddammit. And that demon is no longer with me. <laughs> I really want to put this little clip at the start of the episode as the teaser. Okay, let's do Everyone's it. Everyone's like, oh, This well. episode's stupid, and then it's, like, completely serious. Yeah. Um, wow, okay, that... This is our longest episode we've ever done. Sweet. So, guys, gals, <laughs> people who don't identify as anything, thank you so much for listening. All to all the episodes i can't believe this is the 51st episode oh um and next week it'll be 2021 
and we'll have a new theme song assuming i have time to make a new theme song i believe i will just make it in the style of green day (laughs) do you have the time to listen to our (laughs) pod yeah um yeah and we're very grateful for you guys and grateful for you letting us just expel from our brains um so yeah thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next year